wonder whether it's possible to make a, a similar kind of um, reading of the of the cicada sounds and their several kinds of temporality because yeah. you know uh, as someone who spends most of most of my like mid summers through late summers into the fall in East Asia there you know there is a sense in which the sound of cicadas is, is very indexical of that time of year, specifically yeah. that time of year. But then cicadas, of course, are also caught up with a whole set of discourses about both um, the, the eternality of a kind of cyclic return of things that appear to be dead because of the, the life cycle of cicadas, right. but also um, discourses of ephemerality, right? So it, I, the, that, that to me is like one of the more fantastic things about like thinking cicada time. Right. That's a great point and it does connect back to bells in many places both in terms of the nostalgia set of issues as well as the set of issues uh, uh, about the uh, you know relationship between all these imaginaries um, that are you know going on simultaneously with this kind of presence. The, the thing that's new here is that in the last 10 years in some places in Japan um, cicadas have now entered a new discourse, and that's the discourse of noise pollution. Mm -hmm. So you have this other, and, and this is of course what happened already in Europe, right? Bells became noise. People didn't want the bells going 24 hours a day. I mean, the revolution against the ringing, the, you know, the church doesn't own time. The Angelus is not going to ring <laughs> or, or, uh, all day, you know, uh, three times a day. Or these bells are not, go you know, we want to sleep. So to hell with the church. So, so the, the, you know, shifting the bells in from this kind of space where they become the real sound marks and signifiers of this is us and here we are to, you know, <laughs> hell no. <laughs> you know, we want to sleep or we have to go to work in the morning and we don't need the church to tell us when to go to work. Uh, you, know, it, we're, you know, we're not, it's not like potatoes in the fields, you know, like we've got our tractors, we like to know how to get up and go to work kind of thing. So there's this whole, you know, and in France this is particularly feisty, in, you know, in, in, uh, in uh, lots of places in village France. And, you know, here, here, here we're getting a little, <laughs> we're, we're, you know, we're, we're having a, 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 both a Bakhtinian and Foucaultian interlude <laughs> for, <laughs> for our enjoyment <laughs> as we speak. Um, but you know that's 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 a great point about the multiple temporalities, how they collapse and you know and then stretch out, and, and, and I think there are lots of things like that going on with bells in Europe um, now too. Um, but uh, you know in Japan at Hiroshima, there's, there's a very distinctive kind of thing here, which is also about space, which is about sacralizing a bell in relation to other kinds of ideas of of sacred and special space or hallowed space, right? Because that bell is only, is in the museum, in a big glass case. Every day of the year, except that one day, that one morning, when they take it out and put it there and it's wrong, right? So the, the business of, you know, you can see it in the glass case at the Peace Museum, but it's only on that day that it's taken outside and that installation is that exact same installation is done, and it's rung, and then, you know, an hour later, it's put back away for a year. So that that's also about marking out stuff about space and time and this, you know, you know, a kind of sacralizing of the ring. Uh, 